It's a cliche uh, to say the next speaker needs no introduction. Uh, and in Michael Phelps' case, that is only half true. We all know about the 28 Olympic medals, a record that may never be broken. But what makes him a champion is so much more than that. What makes him a champion in my book has been his willingness to share the story many didn't know about his greatest battles against anxiety, against depression, uh, suicidal thoughts uh, that he confronted at the height of his success. He didn't have to do that. He could have kept quiet after the storm passed. Instead, he's been raising consciousness among athletes and fans and waging war on the stigma that we've spoken about today. He's emboldened others to seek the help they need. Because if Michael Phelps, who we've all seen on victory stand after victory stand, can acknowledge his own mental health challenges, why can't you? Perhaps because he's known the prodigious heights and uh, lows associated uh, with the great athletic achievement, he's also counseled other athletes, uh, including Tiger Woods and Grant Hackett, an Australian swimmer, and his fellow Olympian, Allison Schmidt, who spoke here last year. Because of the power of their stories and their leadership, Michael and Allison were honorary chairs this year, uh, or I guess last year, uh, for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Children's Mental Health Awareness Day. They were presented there with uh, special recognition awards for their support of children, youth, and young adults with mental health and substance, use, uh, substance abuse disorders. Today, we recognize Michael here for his leadership, his impact, and his courage to speak out. measure of your commitment to this cause that you left Phoenix to be here in Chicago. In, it's an eye-opening experience in, getting in, off the plane last night and <laughs> 14 degrees. Uh, I think I speak for everybody in this room when I say I have never been on a Wheaties box. <laughs> if I'm wrong, raise your hand. Uh, and I'm curious as to what it takes and what it was like to, to become Michael Phelps the, the, the athletic champion? Um, I mean, I think that part is pretty easy. You know, it's, it's hard work, dedication, not giving up, and really well, not What does like, that mean as a child? What does that mean? I mean, for me as a kid growing up, I was, uh, I played lacrosse, baseball, soccer, and swam till the age of 11. Uh, my coach sat down with me at the age of 11 with my parents and said, if I wanted to be an Olympian in four years, I could. 
So at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to forget all the other sports, and that sounds pretty cool. I want to be an Olympian. So uh, Seems like a good thing. Yeah, I was like, awesome, cool. I get to represent my country and have a chance to win a medal. I was like, yeah, this sounds amazing. So sure enough, four years later, I make my first Olympic team, and, and uh, I wanted more. Um, I was fifth in my first Olympics in Sydney in 2000, um, less than half a second away from a medal. I wanted to come home with hardware. That's why I was going. <laughs> you know, I wanted to. Go, I wanted to bring a medal. Not a wrench or a hammer, but I didn't. Yeah, and, and I didn't right. want. I didn't want a, like a participation ribbon right. or something like that. I wanted a real medal. So um, that just kind of motivated me for the next six months. I broke my first world record um, at at 15, and and um, I basically just used all of that to to win my first gold medal in Athens in 04. And and I was always hungrier and hungrier, and I wanted more. Um, and I wanted to push myself really to see what my max was. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have an amazing coach uh, and, and, to be honest, the best support system I could ever ask for. And uh, what sacrifices did you have to make in the rest of your life for that? Because this must have involved an enormous amount of time. I mean, I think, you know, if I look at sacrifices that I, you know, I made growing up as a kid, I didn't mind making the sacrifices because I had the opportunity to do something that nobody else has ever done before. And I think for me, that was just something that was exciting enough to, you know, kind of miss on what the high school kids were doing at that age and what the college kids were doing at that age. And, and you know, for me, I had bigger goals and dreams that I wanted to accomplish, so. And you've talked about uh, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression. Uh, when did that, become uh, apparent to you? When did those struggles uh, begin in your, in your memory? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, uh, growing up, I had hard times in the family, growing up with a single, a single, um, single family household. Uh, my mother raised myself and, and my two sisters. And, and um, you know, I, I think the first time I really saw something pop up was when I really started almost like acting out in a way. Uh, and, and there was a certain time really during every year that something would happen. So uh, it was basically in the beginning of October, November-ish is when something kind of started going, I started going down and, and having a tough Every time. year in that, at that time? It was basically from almost 04 for a while. You know, something was coming up where, where it just, just wasn't right. And, and, you know, for me, I, I would say 04 is probably the first depression spell I went through. Um, and you had a, a, a DUI that year? Correct. I had a DUI in 04. Um, and I can honestly say really after every Olympics, I think I fell into a major state of depression. And, and you know, I think after 2012, um, that was probably the hardest fall for me. Uh, I didn't want to be in the sport anymore. Uh, and a year and a half, two years after that Olympics, I, you know, I guess probably a year, I, I didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, I think that's where I really hit my all-time low so far. Hopefully it's my all-time low. Um, and, and I just never forget just being in my bedroom at home and, and literally sitting in there for three to five days and just not wanting to be alive. Um, and did you, uh, during those years, you had, that in, you had that incident in 2004 and 2009, you were photographed. Yep. With a bong in, in 2014, you had the DUI, and at that point, uh, you you, uh, you 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 sought treatment. 
Did you, were you able to talk to anybody during those years that you were struggling with this? Because that's a long time, that's a 10 year period. Yeah. Um, I think for me, <laughs> I was very good at compartmentalizing things and, and stuffing things away that I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want to deal with, I didn't want to bring up. Like, I just never ever wanted to see those things. And, and you know, after a while, I'd have a kind of a blow up, I guess you could say, or an explosion where I would just have like a breakdown. And, and I think at that point is, is where I really sat down and I was like, I, I need some kind of help. I have to figure out what is going on. Um, and, and I was somebody who is, I guess I could call myself stubborn by never asking for help. You know, interestingly, I read somewhere that when you were in school, uh, you were diagnosed as, as, as ADHD, ADHD yeah. and, and you were prescribed Ritalin yep. and you, at some point said, I don't want oh. to do this because I don't want the nurse coming in and telling yeah. me to take my meds. Was it that you were embarrassed that that was, or did you not want to acknowledge that you had a, any sort of vulnerability? I think the biggest thing was, you know, I, I didn't want to go to the nurse's office. I didn't want to do that in the middle of class or during lunchtime or, you know, like, I don't know if it was not wanting to feel like different or, you know, I wanted to be more normal or whatever it might be. But I, I basically said to my mom, I was like, you know, I was like, can I, can I, pull myself off of this and, and try to learn things my own way. You know, for me, I was very lucky and fortunate to find swimming as kind of a, a, a very peaceful place for me. Um, you know, I get to stick my head in water and scream if I want and, and nobody's around. So it was kind of very relaxing and very peaceful for me. So, um, you know, my mom kind of gave me, you know, a couple tests and she was like, let's see what, we, let, let's see what happens if I pull you off, you know, if we pull you off Ritalin and, and see how you can adapt. She was an educator, is that right? She was, yeah. yes. Still is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I just asked if I could get pulled off of it, and and um, you know, sure enough, I was able to focus more with swimming, um, and and that kind of transitioned to help me focusing really in everything that I did. Yeah, but the reason I ask you that is it also there's a there, there may be a negative lesson in that, which sure. is that you can overcome any problem sure. through sheer force of will, and that's not really true. It's you know I I, I think you know sitting here today and and. You know everything that we've we all know about mental health. There is a massive stigma around it, and I think that's something that that um, we still deal with every day. And, and and you know, if you look at really the last, in my opinion, the last year or so, I think people actually finally understand that it is real, and this is a real problem. And and we all can change together. And I think you know finally people are are aware of everything that's going on, and and people are talking about it. And you know I think this is the only way that we can change. Do you, um, in your own sort of uh, raising of consciousness in yourself, um, was, it, was it in 2014 that you realized uh, that you, not only that you needed help, but that it was okay to get it and that? Yeah, and, and you know, I think once I, once I reached out and asked for help and, and kind of learned more about who I was as a person, you know, I'll never forget looking back and, and you know, looking back today and, and saying to myself, I mean, this is in 14, I said, I'm going to show who I really am. Because I don't know if the world really ever saw who I truly am as a human being. Um, I think the world saw me as a swimmer, and that was it. And that's how I looked at myself. I didn't look at, my, as, as, you know, I, I didn't look at myself as a, a normal human being. I looked at myself as this kid who was really good at swimming, and that was really it. Right, well, that's why I asked you it, it, if it feels like you almost have to subjugate the rest of your life to being the best. 
and therefore you don't really cultivate the rest of your life or get in touch with the rest of your life. So that is a sacrifice that you have yeah, to make. I guess, I mean, I, I was so engulfed in everything really that I was doing in the pool and, and kind of, I guess that, that would be probably the biggest sacrifice I made. But, you know, I think for me, I'm fortunate to be able to have that opportunity where I almost had that awakening where I was, I, I had the opportunity to seek help. And I got to the point in my life where I was ready to ask for help. And, and I think I was just fed up with everything that I was compartmentalizing and I wanted to get all of it out into the open. And, and I was talking earlier, you know, there was a, uh, the one time where I really broke down and opened up was not even planned. Um, I was sitting down with a reporter from SI, um, Tim Layden, and, and, you know, <laughs> it was like a lead up story into, into Rio, preparing for the Olympics. And for some strange reason that morning, I just let it all open and let it all out. And you know what, to be honest. With a reporter. With a reporter. And to be honest, that day was, honestly, after that day, it's probably been some of the most enjoyable living that I've ever had huh. the opportunity to experience. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of understanding that it's okay to not be okay. You know, having that understanding. And, and you know, I talked to Allison. Allison lives with us. Um, she's like our daughter, so, um, but we, we talk about stories that we hear when we are traveling. And I'll never forget Allison came home one day from a trip and, and she said, a woman came up to me and thanked me for sharing my story because it helped save her child. And I said, and what was your response? She goes, I just started crying. And I was like, that's the impact. And I was like, and those moments and those feelings and those emotions for me, are light years better than ever winning an Olympic gold medal. You have the chance to save a life, and that's way more powerful. How, what, what kind of interactions have you had with people? Uh, what, what, how do people react uh, to you when you tell your story? Have you had people come up and share their own stories oh, with, in, I mean, in that same way? Without question, and, and you know, I think it's like, I mean, I guess, I guess I, I see athletes or celebrities or you see, and I, I guess people think that they're so much different than everybody else. But I've gone through the same struggles that probably people in this room have gone through or people all over the world have gone through. And that makes us human beings. That makes us just real, right? Like, so for me sharing these stories and, and having people come up, it's almost like I have a, I guess, a, obviously a better connection, but it's like, I feel more human, and I think mm -hmm. that's something that I love the most. Well, I would think that, um, I mean, you, you were such a, and are such an athletic icon, and the thing about icons is that people want to project on them all the qualities of perfection, all of their idealized uh, qualities. That's an enormous burden to bear. Well, nobody's perfect, and and you know, I, I, I guess I, I carried it for a long time. And, you know, like I said, I was fed up with it, and and just basically said, I, I need to change this, and I need to figure out what I can do to improve myself, and and to try to help people. You know, that's the biggest thing. And and you know, honestly, I think it's it's one thing that I I, I really enjoyed, and I hated it when I first went through it. Um, when I was in uh, treatment, the first morning. Like six o'clock in the morning, this nurse wakes me up and she's like, all right, look at the wall and tell me how you feel. And on the wall, there's eight basic emotions. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. 
It's like it's six o'clock in the morning. You just like I'm out of. I just got out of bed. Was sleepy one of the images? No. I was like, how do you think I feel right now? It's like I'm pretty ticked off. Like I'm not happy. I'm not a morning person. Um, but I, I think that you know, thinking about the eight basic emotions and and kind of understanding why you feel certain things in certain ways, I think it's really been able to help me. And that's something that we've since uh, implemented into um, my foundation and working with Boys and Girls Club. Just understanding why you're feeling upset or angry or any of those emotions and, and talking about it. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Um, once I opened up and really started talking about certain feelings and things that I had going on with myself, life became easy. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's like, I said to my, I've said to myself so many times, I'm like, why didn't I just do this 10 years ago? But I wasn't ready. 10 years ago was uh, 10 years before you, you, you sought treatment uh, was that first DUI we mentioned. And you're, I read somewhere that your answer was, I feel bad that I've let everyone down. Uh, would you react the same way today? Uh, I mean, I, I let myself down really more than anything else. And, and you know, I think that moment, I, I'll never forget that moment and, and that moment that I, I spent with my mother. Um, and, and, you know, everything that I went through was a learning experience. And, and I can tell you, would I change anything that happened in my life? And I would say, not a shot. Because it's made me who I am today. For so long, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and like who I saw and smile and be happy. And to this day, I'm very fortunate to have a family. Um, I have one son, I have another child on the way, uh, and, and life could not be better. Yeah. I, wanna, I wanna finish on, on that, but, but, uh, because I wanna ask you about your, 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 your son and your, your future uh, child. Or, or your child who will be with you soon. Um, but um, uh, I'm wondering about uh, the, the drinking and, I'm more, uh, and, and, and uh, whatever else you were doing. Um, and how much of that was a way of self-medicating, of oh, dealing with a pain? Yeah, I mean, it was just running. It's basically me just running from whatever it was I was trying to run from. And, and at that point, I didn't know. So it would be me just self-medicating myself basically daily um, to try to fix whatever it was that, that I was trying to run from. And, and, you know, at that point, I just saw myself going deeper and deeper down that spiral staircase. And, and it led me to that point that was the darkest moment of my life. And, and um, you know, looking back at it, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's honestly so... It's so bizarre that it's so night and day compared to where we are today and where I am today. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I'm, I'm extremely thankful that I did not take my life. How close did you come? I mean, how seriously did you consider I mean, you know, I think for, for me, honestly, sitting in those, sitting in that bedroom for three to five days, I didn't eat, I didn't really sleep, I didn't talk to anybody. I, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And, and, you know, I think that's basically really as far as I got. I had no real plan. Um, of, of what I would do. Uh, but honestly, I, I think I really just thought it would be the easiest way just to run. And, and you know, looking back at that now, it's honestly kind of like the most coward way to run is, is to commit suicide and, and not face the problems that I had. And, and 
you know, for me, that is something that I'm very blessed to be able to, to learn and experience now and, and hopefully have the opportunity to pass it along to other people who are having those hard times who do contemplate suicide. You know, I think it's, it's, that's the reason why, you know, suicide rates are going up is because people are afraid to talk and open up. And, and look, I, I remember going to treatment my very first day. I was shaking shaking because I was nervous of the change that was about to occur. We should point out you, you, you submitted yourself to the treatment, but you also had to do it, right? There were, weren't there? No. I, I did it just because I wanted to see what was going on for me and I wanted to get help. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think it's, it, it, was, it was something that, you know, I can look back on and, and I can smile about because I put myself in an uncomfortable situation that I'd never been in before and I got better. And I was able to get help. And, you know, honestly, now I'm not afraid to ask for help. You know, I think for a long time I carried um, kind of this, like, I don't know if it was abandonment from, you know, from childhood and growing up. And, and I didn't want rejection. And I carried all of these emotions on for so long. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like, one of the biggest things now, it's like, I'll ask a question. If somebody says no, okay. You know, like, if they can't help me, okay, great. Or if they can't answer the question, great, no problem. Like, I don't take any hard feelings to it. And I think that was something that I, I did so much um, growing up as a kid and, and as a young adult. And, um, you know, now I've kind of understood all of that and I've learned so much through this process. Um, you know, and, and I can't say it enough. I, I want to help as many people as I can. And, and um, I love when people come up and share stories and, and that's something that's just a treat. What is your uh, message to your or what will be your message when they're prepared to accept it to your children? And how did this whole experience affect you as a, as a parent? Uh, I mean, for me, number one, as a parent, it's made me 10 times stronger. And, um, you know, I've learned so much about children and patience with children. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's one very challenging thing that my wife and I have learned together. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, when, when Boomer is old enough, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing the experiences that I've had, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, it's made me who I am today, and, and I'm not ashamed of that. And, and um, the same goes for our future child. We have uh, about three to six weeks um, before Nicole goes in um, to deliver our second child. Uh, and it's, it's just going to be, honestly, like this is a journey and, and a road that we're both so excited and looking forward to just having these moments with, with our family. Well, let me just say, uh, and I think everybody here would agree, that those children will be blessed for the wisdom that you've acquired through your uh, journey, and their lives will be better yeah. for it. So thank, thank you, you for sharing no. your story with us no today. Thank you.